Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. To get into the holiday spirit, we here at Meltopia have decided to release a Christmas-inspired story for you to enjoy. Don't worry, your regularly scheduled show will pick up again next week. For now, cozy up to the fireplace with a nice cup of hot chocolate and prepare yourself for a tale of greed, menace, and vengeance. Have a happy holidays and enjoy the dark tale of Grebus Sog and the Forest of Frozen Lights. Mm-hmm. 
They departed the freezing city for a wicked fortune. Led by the stories of the mad and the dead into the farthest reaches of the north, where the cold becomes the world. The Northmen were emboldened by the growing rumors, as much as the hungry winters that devoured all hope of a life beyond simple survival. For, according to certain rumors, there existed an unearthly forest, strung with infinite riches, glittering like a clear night sky laid across the earth. At least, this was what a growing number of persons had said after they accidentally stumbled upon this fabled place, only to return and die, insane and nearly unintelligible. And so it came to pass that during a terrible blizzard, which found a group of the city's men sharing a common hearth, they determined a sincere effort would be made to investigate the strange and wonderful rumors. Of course, their official reasons for striking out, as reported to wives and children, had nothing to do with treasure hunting at all, but only concerned new hunting grounds and raw materials that needed investigating. The journey was long and painful, and many of the men had long since exhausted themselves of any inspiration to continue. But only a few more days of travel were required to reach the source of all those shimmering stories, and so they forced themselves onward. However, beyond the greed and burning fatigue, something else grew within the ranks of the freezing men. Fear. For, in the distance, caught momentarily upon the horizon, Strange pillars of black smoke rose from the hollows of the earth like great billowing snakes. But before anything could be deduced from these strange smokes, the wind would take them, or the endless winter would cast them behind thick curtains of snow and ice. And then there was the strange monotonous hum beneath the earth a droning often accompanied by the fluttering notes of some kind of coarse and ugly music. None of the men set words to their waxing fear of the strange occurrences, hoping them for oddities rather than omens. But when the sled dogs began to whine mournfully to these sights and sounds, it did little to ease the party's apprehension. A few of the men were putting their final touches on their well-rehearsed justifications for turning back, when a chiming sound reached between the howling winds and the crunching of hard-packed snow. The group had just ended their ascent atop a craggy ridge as the sound seemed to float up from the darkness beyond them. But when they drew to the farthest point of the ridge, they saw light. Endless points and ribbons of colored light twinkling and streaking across the vast hollow of night and stone. It was like a child's magic lantern show. Shadows and chiming notes playing across the mountainsides and up into the infinite ceiling of the sky. The men slowly descended the other side of the ridge entering into an unusually expansive valley that opened up between two towering mountain ranges. 
most unusual was the majestic forest of giant fir trees that sprung up from the whited earth. The trees were strung with the stuff of a king's bounty. Gold and silver statues projected from beneath thick branches. Wide tree trunks were bejeweled with countless precious stones, and diamond tiaras and crowns of sapphire hung amidst the pine cones. Ancient masks carved from ruby and pearl glared eyeless from the shadows of the secreted woods, and a near-endless procession of treasures lay heaped in broad piles beneath every tree. That night, neither the beauty of the forest nor the fear of whatever powers might have produced it held the weakest candle to the accumulated greed that poured thickly from each man. They quickly moved as one, as if to the beat of some well-known song, plundering the great forest with an uncommon efficiency. Nothing was spared, not even the gold and silver dust that lay sprinkled over the tallest branches of the supernal trees. And when the wind blew through the naked forest the following night, the tree branches no longer sang with tiny voices of light, but only whispered the story of thieves. In their haste, the men, warmed by voluminous glittering passions, failed to properly explore all the nuances of the forest. For if they had only dared slightly beyond the boundaries of that radiant oasis, they would have discovered a particular cave almost as gleaming, if not infinitely more dreadful in its implication. Inside the stone passage, sat a monstrous throne of blackest coal. It rose to an inhuman height, surrounded by the cleanest assortment of bones, each one nearly aglow in their starkness. Here was a seat built for a splendid view, and a horrific watcher. Grebus Sog was one of the last breaths of a long dead world, if such a time and place can be fairly characterized as a world at all. This creature thrived before existence had been allowed to properly cool, and so solidify the limits and barriers now known as nature. The thing may have been the inspiration for the hideous and crumbling idols, both ancient and monstrous, that haunt brooding landscapes and leer from church towers and squat atop basaltic columns. Or it might possibly have stirred the nightmares that, in turn, spawned the many bizarre outlines painted across cave walls and the candlelit innards of blasphemous temples into which man has since stuffed all of his ripest fears. When the old monster drew itself up from the heart recesses of the underworld, it gazed unhappily at the many vacancies where splendid objects had once beamed from many and ancient trees. 
For eons, the prehistoric being had cultivated with strange subterranean devices of purest anthracite, the finest materials the earth could yield. These things alone contained the allure of the chaos that had once swirled and reigned before time was ever broken into eternally crumbling fragments, before stone had fallen perpetually still and silent. For, within the soul of such precious materials, the creature observed the quicksilver beauty of an unsettled and bygone earth. Inside diamonds and gold, and all the other children of rock and fire, was reposed the forgotten rapture of a savage heaven. Nothing pleased Grebus Sarg more than gazing into the minuscule recreation of its departed home, its glittering garden of dead memories, all that was left to the forgotten horror. Its feeling of displeasure rose to a distant memory, disconnected from the current epoch by leagues of time, a memory of the unnameable ruin that had all but annihilated its former realm, a memory of the last time its will was thwarted. Eager to learn the fate of its possessions, the old monster's awareness leaked out into the world like a storm, spreading blackness across the sky, ringing lightning from the clouds, and shaking and splitting the land it stretched across. Finally, the tale of its stolen relics became known to it, and anger, of a type utterly alien to the inferior human variety, burned with a terrible but wistful calculation. Dark plans began to form like baleful omens gleaned from poisonous stars. The creature that had been left untamed by the powers of time and matter determined a course that would once again flood man's dreams with oceans of dread, rekindling ancient fears long forgotten, fears that had once driven men to slay their own families and friends, offering them up to the grinning princes of the night. The wealth-drunk men felt the earth tremble beneath their feet. They watched as the once-clear sky curled into black clouds, as if the sun and sky had collided and burned the heavens to ash. But when the storm rolled back once it came, and the earth fell back into untroubled sleep, their fear quickly shrank away, for they were all rich now and the ravages of weather and earth would soon be left to men of lesser means. When at last their city came into view, the expedition spared not a single sled dog in the effort to reach it as fast as they could. The last dog fell dead mere yards from the city, having traveled faster and pulled more weight than any dog should. But the men only ran the remaining distance, giant satchels stretched between them, 
invigorated by roiling greed. The people were in awe of what tumbled and flowed from hundreds of great fur-lined sacks, and they did not wonder if even a tall man could drown in such pools of riches. But as the city began to cheer and dance, immersed in dreams they thought all but come true, Rolf, the eldest man in the city, raised his long, bony arms into the air, demanding silence. He placed a skeletal hand upon a jeweled mask and held it out before him. He directed the celebrants to look closer at the object and to hearken well the story of the Forest of Frozen Lights. He loudly charged them as fools, for he was old enough to have heard the whispered legends of the god of the cold waste, Grebus Sog. The celebration soon died into cold silence, as cold and hopeless as any that had stalked the white voids of the great north. The men from the expedition tried desperately to contest the steady torrent of truths spoken by the wizened man. But when they reflected upon those unspoken fears from their journey, all of them their dreams fading, bowed to the truth. The elder warned them of the great doom that must surely be on its way. More importantly, he revealed to them how that doom might be averted. Few things of the earth could bar the ways and wills of that which was ancient before the world was young, but the old man knew of one such bane, one common to the skeletal woods that crowned the southern hills nearest the city. Mistletoe. Carried through the sky upon a sledge carved from bone and smoking coal, pulled by teams of ravening eyeless beasts, Grebus Sog descended upon the city of thieves. The collector of lights loosed a roar and let fly such a peal of hateful energy that the town and even the earth beneath it should have been cursed to the marrow of their respective wood and stone. And anything that should later try to live in that blasted place would either die of nightmare or transform into beast. Furthermore, any blood that might connect the city to any other living thing in any part of the world would know such misfortune that only a hundred generations of calamity would properly discharge the overspill of wickedness. But after its unhallowed vengeance fell upon that wretched place, the timeless creature found only the limits to its power. For about those spaces where destruction should have reigned, a city still stood, whole and undiminished. Smarting from its disgrace, it brought its mephetic team of flying beasts to rest at the center of the city. Its gaze burned across the squatting tenements, 
and the creature quickly deduced the means by which the thieves had so easily turned aside its vengeance. Every home was wrapped thickly in the parasitic grip of mistletoe. During the twilight of the last world, one of the great unbegotten, a creature no less terrible than the inimitable Grebus Sorg itself, was struck dead during a cosmic conflagration that stained the very fabric of creation. This dark entity's fleeing energies flooded into a nearby forest, and so the roots of the thirsty woodland drank of breathless power, imbuing itself and its spawn with unholy gifts. While as harmless as a moth's wings when wielded against the denizens of the New World, against the fearsome company of the night, the plant could render their ancient powers utterly silent. The fell creature raged in silence, as it had no choice but to cede the moment to the robbers of lights, to creatures that were so much like whispers and a gale, impotent and pointless. Shivering inside their houses, the citizens of the hapless city blocked out all portals to their homes. Not so much to augment the leafy banes wreathing their dwellings, but to hide the visions of the thing beyond the world, whose aspect was every bit as lethal as the powers it commanded. Sparing their children the chance to glimpse the walking horror, the men and women banished their young to their bedrooms, forcing them into their beds, where nightmares grew like weeds, strangling dreams of their purchase on sleep. The women crouched by cold hearths, ready to hand their husbands any of the worn weapons or religious symbols that hung from dusty mantles. The men stood vigil at the threshold, wincing beneath the sounds of the stalking death that lurked without the barred doors and windows. A patient but eager creature, Grebus Sog gathered a slow-moving snowstorm, allowing the city dwellers to glimpse the gigantic peril that slowly walked across the sky with a purpose that seemed assured. However, the townspeople, those brave or foolish enough to peer through their barricades, took some small measure of comfort in the approaching storm, as their homes were certainly proof against the harshest snows, and being buried alive, even under the tallest mountains of snow, was surely a more pleasurable death than what they could expect at the untied hands of the monster beyond their defenses. When the walls of winter fell, white and bleak, the master of the storm withdrew from the center of the city, standing at its most distant rim, waiting. The snow came with an icy, unearthly wind, blowing with such frigidity that frost began to creep inside the mystically protected buildings. It grew so furiously cold that the people began to wonder if they shouldn't flee outside and throw themselves to the mercy of demons. 
Driven to desperation, the people began to pack their fireplaces with wood, hoping the flames might be able to dispel the otherworldly cold. A smile cracked the hideous thing that was Grebus Sog's face. For when the first black smokes began to tumble from the crooked chimney stacks, it knew its revenge would not long wait. Soon, the fires leapt up the brick throats of hundreds of chimneys, burning away barriers of mistletoe. And in short order, all the townsfolk were visited by the same fate. Black smoke spilled back into breached homes as something foul squeezed itself down each chimney, chaos and panic gripping each family in their turn. The city finally brought to heel. Grebus Sog commanded the townsfolk to remove the remaining mistletoe from their homes and burn it in the streets. Once this was completed, it summoned the men who had pillaged its forest, commanding them to pile its demonic sledge heavy with the stolen lights. Finally, it beckoned the man who believed himself clever enough to outwit the timeless sentinel of the forest, Rolf the Elder. All citizens were ordered to the town center, where Grebus Sog held a temporary court. There they bowed before the master under the mountains, their heads so low as to scrape the tops of the rising snows. The elderly human was brought before the great creature. In a voice like a symphony of screams, Grebus Sog pronounced his judgment. Rolf, with his mind so bright, would lead the demon's sledge that very night. And with this black pronouncement, a haze of strange lights began to overtake the clear view of the old man trembling before the terrible being. Evil energies crackled around Rolf until he was nothing but blinding light and dreadful shrieks. Finally diminishing to hideous murmurs, the awful powers revealed their terrible work. They had taken Rolf all out of shape, reforging him into the kin of demons. His body had swelled monstrous and wicked, falling upon newly sprouted cloven hooves. On his head had risen a crown of lethal horns, and his face bore a grotesque smile with a thousand pointed teeth. Rolf was no longer a man, but a haunter of dreams, a grinning nightmare.
The horrified townspeople watched in stunned repose as the maker of monsters took up great black sacks from the sledge. Holding them aloft, Grebus Sog bade one child from every family into their darkened hollows. There was much crying and gnashing of teeth, as families had to quickly draw from their ranks those children who would accompany the cruel being back to its home beneath the world. Amidst panic pleas and the clawing of tiny fingers in the snow, the children were forced screaming into burlap maws. With the last one tucked neatly away, the thing from below told of the children's impending fate. They would never know death, nor would they ever again see the sun. They would be made immortal, shriveled into diminutive squirming things, so as to navigate the small places of the deep underground where the disowned stars of a long-dead sky oft sleep. They would know the endless toil of harvesting the great below, until every last piece of a forgotten world was placed high atop the tallest spruce. As Grebus Sog ascended the dark sky upon his ghastly sledge, before the night could swallow the red stinging eyes of the hideously transformed Rolf and the screams of the forsaken children, the people heard Grebus exclaim, A merry winter to all, and to all a good night. <laughs> The din of demonic laughter that came after would follow the townsfolk into their dreams, and eventually, their graves. And if those dead ears could hear, they would most certainly glean the groaning of tortured children, forever reaping the deep earth of its frozen lights. deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 